Hi everyone, Dr. Dan Rifkin here, back on our podcast, Counting Sheba. We're happy to have you back, all of our listeners. If you're a first time listener, you're really lucky because we have a super special person to talk with today. Her name is Shelly. She's one of our patients in Agnomi and she agreed to talk to you today about her experience and how she came forward to Agnomi. So Shelly, thank you so much for coming. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here and really grateful for this opportunity. Oh, good. Is this your first podcast? Have you ever done one before? No, this is my first time. And this was one of those like bucket list things. Like I've always wanted to be on a podcast. I never knew what I would speak about or when the opportunity would present itself. So this was great. Oh, that's great. Well, for our listeners, as you know, Counting Sheepa is a podcast on raising awareness on sleep apnea. And it came to you through our app, Agnomi, which is a telemedicine platform for the diagnosis and treatment of sleep apnea. And that's how I met Shelly. And Shelly came to us through the app. She downloaded the app. She saw me in consultation and we had a, a great talk. And it was really during that talk and subsequent talks that made me think, wow, here's Shelly, who is actually a first-year medical student, and she's going to tell us all about that, um, who came through our platform and, and has a lot to tell us about that. So Shelly, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about like your first-year medical school experience. It's, it's your first year's coming to an end, which is amazing in and of itself. I can still remember my first year in medical school. And just some neat things about you as a person. Sure. So... Um... So yeah, as Dr. Dan mentioned, I'm currently um, in my first year of medical school, and it's been quite the journey, but overall a very enjoyable experience. It was a lot to get used to with pace of learning and all the material, but once I got into a good routine, I felt I could enjoy learning a lot more. So that's where I'm at now. Of course, starting med school during a pandemic was uh, not the most ideal experience, but you know we still have several years left with our classmates. So I'm hoping that we can make up for lost time as uh, as things start to get better. You know that that's a fascinating subject in and of itself. Like first year mm-hmm. medical school during a pandemic, and you know I would love to talk to you more about that for sure. sure. You know, from the perspective of coming to Agnomi, like one of the things in your first year of medical school, at least that I remember, were those sleepless nights. And you said the pace of learning. I think it was every mm-hmm. even couple of weeks we had major exams and different things like that. So we experienced a lot of sleepless nights. And even us in the sleep world as physicians, we're almost like taught to ignore the importance of sleep. It's sort of part of our culture in a way, which isn't great. So I'm hoping that you're at least getting some education during your medical school years to make sleep a priority and to not do those sleepless nights like we did years ago. Right, right. Absolutely. That's something I'm actively working on is managing my time better during the day so that I don't have to stay up too late studying and I can make sure I'm getting enough sleep. So you're not the first first year medical student that I've seen in my practice, right? So the first thing I think about when a medical student comes to me and the, they tell me I'm tired or I'm really sleepy during the day, 
you know, I always go back to, well, you're studying so hard and you're up late at night and you're up early studying. So as long as we got past that, let, let's talk about your story a little bit. And I'll let you kind of present your story and how you came to Agnum because you're not a loud snorer, right? You don't have any of these typical symptoms. You're a, a young woman in her early 20s, you know, so tell us about your experience there. Sure. Yeah. So looking back, it actually was some, well, several interesting realizations that brought me to the point of realizing like I need to seek out testing for sleep apnea and what brought it to um, like the forefront of my mind. So I was vaguely familiar with sleep apnea before starting med school. Um, I know of some family members. So I, I knew I had a family history of it, but it wasn't something that I considered for myself until one particular lecture in med school. And I know they say in med school, you should try to not diagnose yourself with different things because you can drive yourself crazy. But, but this was one instance in which my suspicion did turn out to be correct. It was the lecture on the lung exam. And it started with having the patient open their mouth, examining the inside of their mouth. And then that can give some indication if the patient has sleep apnea. So I remember we were doing this lecture on Zoom and then there were some students typing into the chat of saying like, oh, I don't know, <laughs> I might have sleep apnea. I, I should get this checked out. And I was one of those people that was having the same thought. But this was still early on in the school year and I kind of you know, put it on the back burner. I was still trying to get adjusted to school and everything. But over time and into this current spring semester, my symptoms just started to get worse and worse. So I was waking up having these really bad headaches and they would persist throughout the day. Nothing would make them go away until I went back to sleep. But then realizing the sleep also didn't feel that restful or that rejuvenating. So I just knew that something was wrong. As you said, I don't think I've ever been a real snorer. And that was the main like symptom that I associated with sleep apnea. And I thought, oh, well, you know, I, I don't snore and I'm fairly young. So there weren't really that many red flags until uh, starting med school and, and learning more about it through my classes. So eventually, as the symptoms started to get worse, and I noticed that I was having brain fog, I couldn't remember the things that I was learning in class. Like It was just a struggle. So the symptoms were really catching up with me and really impacting my day-to-day -day life. And I knew that I had to do something about this. And I thought, you know, let me at least try to get a sleep test. And there's no harm in doing that if it turns out to be negative, then at least I've ruled it out. And then if it turns out that I do have sleep apnea, then at least I can pursue treatment and hopefully make these symptoms go away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's a great story in a lot of ways, because let's say you weren't in medical school and you heard that lecture on the lung exam or had like other students that you could bounce this off of. I mean, so many people are waking up tired. So many people wake up with a headache. And right. I think like some people, like if they're warm at night when they're sleeping, right, they just wake up kind of sweaty. Like, why am I sweating? It's freezing outside. We're in Buffalo, New York, right? So <laughs> it shouldn't be, uh, I shouldn't be so warm when I'm sleeping. I'm getting up to go to the bathroom like three or four times. Why? I, mm -hmm. I don't drink a ton of water. And why am I not going so frequently during the day? There are a lot of these subtle symptoms 
of sleep apnea that are highly under-recognized and, and which leads to under-treatment. And as a aspiring physician, now you'll see that we get biased in a way, right? So as we're going through our training, we kind of learn about the typical presentation of a disease, but there's so many atypical presentations and especially the presentation of sleep apnea in a younger patient. Like the patients in their early 20s, they may not be loud snorers, they may not be overweight, they may not be men with gray hair. It's one of those disorders that's present even in young children and can have a different presentation. So you presented, you weren't a snorer, but you had these other symptoms. You woke up with headaches in the morning, some more feeling very tired during the day, despite getting eight hours of sleep. Okay. And, and as we talked, it's sort of like, okay, so you have a doctor that's actually really listening to you. Cause I think you had seen some doctors about your tiredness and stuff and said, you know, it could really be sleep apnea, just like you were thinking, no, you're not going down the wrong path. So tell me what happened at that point. What did we wind up doing and how was that experience for you? Yeah, so um, I got to do the sleep test at home, which was uh, a really convenient experience because um, my concern with doing a sleep test at a sleep center was that I really can't fall asleep when I'm in new places, even when I'm traveling, if it's like the first night at a hotel or something, that first night is always really rough because I'm, you know, I feel like my body recognizes that I'm in a new place. And you're absolutely right. There's a name for it. They call it first night effect. There's an actual name for that. It's very true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Wow. That's good to know. <laughs> so yeah, I, I got to do my sleep test at home and then we came to the diagnosis from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was mailed to you. You were able to put it on pretty easily, mailed it back. And then we had a follow-up visit uh, about a week later where we discussed results. And, and what did we find? <laughs> yes, we did find sleep apnea. <laughs> and it was definitely a relief to hear that. I, I did feel relieved, even though I'm sure that a lot of people might not feel relieved to have this diagnosis of this new medical condition, but at least... Uh, for me, I felt relieved because it finally gave me an answer and I felt that I finally have some sort of explanation as to why I was feeling the way I was feeling. And this gives me hope and a path forward to pursue treatment and finally getting to the root of the issue. And I can, you know, hopefully move forward and fix my symptoms and go back to uh, feeling like myself. Yeah. And, and we talked, we went through the sleep study and talked about it. And what that study tells us is how many times per hour that throat collapses down and whether it's associated with a low oxygen each time or not. And in fact, as you recall, like yours was not all that terrible, right? So it didn't come up with like these super high numbers, but clearly present. And this is something I mentioned on some previous podcasts is that the number of times that you collapse your airway per hour really doesn't matter. We're not treating a number, we're treating a patient, right? Mm -hmm. So we learned this early in med school, you don't treat a test, you treat the person who took the test, right? So like hearing your story and like the headaches and feeling so tired, you know, Shelly, although this is relatively in a mild range in terms of severity, I really think you should pursue treatments, real life treatment here. So, so what do we wind up doing? So I started with my CPAP treatment and ever since it's been really, really wonderful. It's made a drastic difference. Even the first night I used it, I woke up the next day and I felt like 
a different person. I felt like a new person. Like your, your headache was gone. You woke up actually feeling rested. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Neat? Yeah. So Shelly is one of those 20% of people that like have this sort of panacea moment after the first night they wear a CPAP. And although I, I love hearing patients like you, Shelly, it's also sometimes disconcerting to others who take time to get accommodated to CPAP. And, um, right. but you know, it was just so great to hear that. I, you've been on it for how long now, Shelly? About a month? How long? Yeah, months? by this point, I would say over a month. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the headaches are better and feeling more rested. How about your daytime functioning? Like your Zoom classes at three in the afternoon, do you feel like you're more engaged during that time or still getting a little boring learning about microbiology? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the afternoon sleepiness was something that was lingering a bit after I started using the CPAP, but I'm noticing that that is slowly improving as well. I tend to get sleepy if I eat a big breakfast or a big lunch. So, you know, trying to eat smaller meals, but more frequently rather than those huge meals that put me right back to sleep. Yeah, right. That's great that you've had a good response to CPAP so far and have been amazingly compliant using it regularly, which is important to get the greatest benefit from CPAP. A lot of people don't know what CPAP is all about, that continuous mm -hmm. positive airway pressure. There, A lot of people are scared of it, right? Because they hear about these big mass, but I know it's very different today. So just from your experience as a patient, Shelly, like, just tell us about CPAP. Maybe some initial troubles you had with it or if you just took to it right away. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's a great question because it's also a concern that I had initially. Um, like I generally have trouble falling asleep if I'm not super cozy or super comfortable. So I wasn't sure how quickly I would adjust to using the CPAP, but I actually found it to be not difficult at all to adjust to it. The key for me was finding the right mask fit. And in the first time that I got the kit and all the supplies and everything, there were the three different sizes of masks that I could try out that already came with the initial supplies. So I tried them out and I found the one that was the best fit for me. And then that made it a lot more comfortable to use uh, as well. Yeah. What was it like having that first little bit of rush of air going into the airway? It's a different feeling, isn't it? Yeah, that that took a little while to uh, to get used to. And I realized that I should not open my mouth because then it's, a, it's a strange feeling if you're wearing the CPAP and it's on. And then if you open your mouth. <laughs> Instead of the air going into your throat, it comes out your mouth. Yeah. It's, it's a weird feeling for sure. Right. Removing the mask, like taking it a little bit off of my nose and then feeling that gust of air. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like you feel like, how can I even sleep with that? But it's amazing how you do. And, and after you use it for a while and you're experiencing this now, it feels like it's not even there. You almost have to take the mask off or open up your mouth to even recognize that it's there. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, just as a little tidbit for some of our listeners out there, I always tell patients, just put your tongue on the roof of your mouth and start breathing that way because it forces you to breathe through your nose and it doesn't allow you to breathe out your mouth. So when you first put that CPAP on, just focus on keeping your tongue on the roof of your mouth and you won't have that weird reflex type symptom. It, it does help with that for sure. 
Yeah. Are there any other things about the CPAP that you think like our listeners would want to know about it, like in terms of how difficult it is to keep it clean or to kind of like use the humidifier in it? Is there anything else you can think of that you would want to tell them? Well, I found the instruction booklets to be pretty helpful. I'm the type of person that likes to read the instruction booklets and know exactly what I'm doing. So um, yeah, the maintenance is not difficult at all. Um, It's just a matter of remembering, um, maybe keeping reminders on your calendar for um, how often to clean uh, and how often to replace the supplies that might be helpful for some people. Mm, That's great. Thanks so much for sharing that. We only have a few more minutes left and I could probably talk to you for an hour, but or even two hours or five hours, because again, I want to hear about your experience during COVID. But, you know, one of the things, especially since you're in medicine and in medical school, and I'm sure you did this after you got the diagnosis, you probably looked at its association with other medical conditions. Were there any that concerned you or were there ones that kind of said, woo, I'm so glad I caught this when I was young because of X? Like, can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Um, Well, one that stood out to me was the association between uh, sleep apnea and polycystic ovarian syndrome, also known as PCOS, because I have PCOS as well. And uh, in my experience, learning more about that, that also tends to be underdiagnosed and patients tend to go a long time before they finally detect and get the diagnosis. So um, seeing how there's the association between PCOS and sleep apnea, that was something that stood out to me and something that I feel that patients should be aware of and moving forward myself as a doctor, something that I will certainly keep in mind. And also remembering that sleep apnea affects people of all ages and I had that preconceived notion initially that, oh, this is something that, you know, affects older people. Like there's, it's probably very rare for people of of my age, but, you know, that turned out to uh, not be the case in in my scenario. So um, I guess keeping an open mind that way. And it's difficult to tell how long I've had sleep apnea before starting the treatment, but I'm certainly glad that I caught it early on in life because sleep impacts every other aspect of our health. It's such a foundational and fundamental piece. And, um, you know, I, I really feel bad for people that are struggling with chronic disease and it, it may turn out that sleep apnea is at the root of those things. And, and if they've had undiagnosed sleep apnea for a long time. So I certainly think that people having a greater awareness, whether that's for themselves or for people that are close to them and understanding that even with these vague symptoms like headaches or hypertension, that if enough of the puzzle pieces come together and if it leads to sleep apnea, that there is hope in getting that diagnosis because there is effective treatment out there and things can really turn around for people. Oh, that's really awesome. And it's a really great way to conclude our talk. Was there anything else that you wanted to tell our listeners? I mean, you really shared so much and even just like how it can be associated with other disorders and sleep apnea is so underdiagnosed, like, right? So 80% of patients with sleep apnea in the U.S. remain undiagnosed at this point. 
There wow. are a billion people worldwide with sleep apnea, and we're hoping our Agnomi app can help reach those people, open up access to care, because it is relatively easy through Agnomi, right? It was pretty easy to download the app, see me, get right. diagnosed, treat it all at home and wherever you were yeah. in your dorm. We're glad we're doing this. We're glad we're kind of almost proselytizing sleep apnea and getting people aware and not just people, but other doctors, right? Have yeah. you talked to any fellow students about your experience or sleep apnea or telling your fellow medical students, like, guys, we really got to tackle this disease? Yeah, I did. I did have the chance to uh, to share it with a couple of friends. They were surprised. I think they also had the same sense of not really expecting it to be um, in someone so young. But then I also had classmates who suspected that they had it. And then I was able to encourage them to get checked out. So, you know, the more people can actually receive a diagnosis if they have it and then get treated, the better. Well, again, thank you, Shelly, so much for joining us today on the podcast. I'm so excited that there are young aspiring doctors just like you out there. Like I'm really looking forward to the time that I can call you Dr. Shelly. It's coming soon <laughs> um, because we need more doctors like you that are going to recognize sleep apnea and treat it appropriately when it's time. So thank, thank you, you again. And uh, thank you to our listeners for joining us for this podcast, Counting Sheepa. That's brought to you by our Agnomi app. It can be downloaded from the Google Play or from the App Store. And Reach out to us if you have questions or if this resonated with you, our discussion with Shelly today. You know, we can answer questions. You can call us. You can reach out to us through social media. Go to our website, agnomi.com, O-G-N-O-M-Y.com. And um, again, thank you for listening. Thank you, Shelly. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.